Hey guys, welcome to the podcast Investorpreneur, where investors meet entrepreneur. Here we talk about everything investing real estate, and today we are talking on the subject of due diligence. My name is Peter Liang, and I'm a global real estate investor. I own, invest, and develop commercial buildings all around the world. You may have seen me in videos or on stage working with serial entrepreneurs and investors. I'm also a private equity business and angel investor as well. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at I am Peter Leung. It is also on Facebook and on social media where I share ideas, videos, and inspirations as I journey to intergenerational wealth. If you have questions, email us at podcast at IamPeterLeung.com. I'd like to say that from all those people around the world that have sent in emails in regards to questions and topics that they want me to cover, I appreciate it. We will get around to them as much as possible. But also at the same time, some of you have actually sent us deals for us to consider, our team to consider, and we're working vastly through them during this time. But continue to send us deals at deals at IamPeterLeon.com. We will certainly look at the deals and identify how we can help to consider partnering on these deals with you. So without further ado, let's talk about the due diligence in what I take uh, in every deal that I do. So it's really ultimately due diligence is identifying all the factors that may be uh, a p- potential outcome, whether you know it's 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 something that's natural or unnatural, or the costs or the effect of the 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 plays that we're going to do in this real estate. So what is the risk and what is the reward? So I've always said this: the juice has to be worth the squeeze. We have to identify whether there is enough um, you know component in there's enough opportunity in taking this investment opportunity. So if opportunities come every day, opportunities come every day, however, good deals don't come every day. If good deals come every day, then none of them were really good deals. So we pick and choose well over 40 deals to even get one to two that we really wanted to pursue and that we believe that met some of the criteria that we're looking for. And that also includes multiple exit strategies, the type of mitigating of the risk, the type of things that we can do to ultimately provide a, uh, a very favorable upside while mitigating the downside. So as I've mentioned before, risk and reward does not need to be equal, right? I am looking for low risk, reasonable return, right? Reasonable reward. So a level three risk, a level five reward, that's what I want. I want risk adjusted return. I want something that's relatively low risk that's going to produce very well for me. And I think, you know, for all of us too, if we have equal risk and reward, well, you might as well go to the casino because it's one to one. You can win 100% of your money or you can lose 100% of your money. That's risk and reward. Now, us as investors, us as investors working with you know, millions upon millions of dollars, we don't want to be, we can't take that as a possible outcome, right? A one-to-one is not something that we look for. We need a low, reasonable amount of risk, yet we can produce a reasonable reward on that amount of money. So that is the due diligence um, that we take. So typically, I'll give you an example here. Typically, I would be working with, um, you know, properties. So, for example, we're working on a property 50,000 square foot in Vancouver where we have this warehouse. And this is something that we've, you know, been doing due diligence on. So how it works is this. We would, I'll tell you what we look for. So I look for going, you know, we have to do certain things like 
first identifying how many exit strategies are there what could we possibly do so in this particular case it's looking at do we just buy upgrade and sell on do we buy do we hold refinance as the value of the property goes up uh, in terms of the rezoning or additional density is provided or do we buy hold and actually joint venture and develop out the property with a developer that's local that's favorable to that marketplace that will develop on a good cost basis but also at the same time take the responsibility off our hands or do we do it ourselves right so there's a multiple exit strategies um, that we can look at or we can actually look at how we actually buy because we're buying at a good deal that we turn around and actually sell it to another investor so those are type of exit strategies i typically look at so just in a nutshell but it, we also look at the in the due diligence period what type of potential uncertainties are present so in today's time we're looking at the uncertainty of of course the post COVID-19 impacts you know is this going to unemployment going to impact the warehousing space is this potential COVID-19 going to impact in unemployment therefore resulting in my tenant being not able to pay rent so these are all the variables that we'd look at in order for us to identify the potential risk and reward so let me talk about the the more intricacies of each of the things that I look for when I'm doing a due diligence period, uh, during this due diligence period. So typically on a commercial property, it'd be a due diligence period between 30 and 45 days. So for all you investors out there looking at residential, these are a little bit different and these are all negotiable terms. So everything is negotiable in real estate. And we do negotiate, but we need to identify where the returns are and how we can generate those so we don't try to just nudge and try to fit a deal in because it barely meets our threshold we want to be able to have a clear winner and that's why we have to go through lots of properties lots of offers lots of negotiations to get the very few and that's the that's my responsibility looking at deals and being the general partner in deals to identify what opportunities exist so let's talk about the due diligence that i have to do well first and foremost we get an appraisal. We want to identify the comparables or any reason to justify third party, whether this is a, a property that we should be buying from a value standpoint or from a brick and mortar standpoint or an income standpoint. So what do I mean by that? Well, you know, appraisals are basically done by individuals or professionals that are uh, eligible from the perspective of the bank. So we look at a brick and mortar value, which basically means replacement costs. Ide ideally, that means with the land and if they had to rebuild this building on it, what is the replacement cost? So that can be identified on insurance papers and whatnot. So how much is it going to take to rebuild what is currently there? And the other approach is the income approach. Well, how much rent is this generating? So in broad net numbers, a lot of investors would call this the cap rate. What is the cap rate and how much income is it being generated? And that will also impact things like your bank lending, your financing possibilities. So aside from the appraisals, we'd look at property inspections. So we go through a very extensive period hiring the professionals to walk through the building to actually scope the entire premise to ensure to ensure that the building is in its form that we'd be expecting because typically is um, when we do a transaction it's as is 
um, basis, which means that what you see is what you get. So therefore, you better make sure that you are buying something that is worthy. So that's a proper um, a property inspection that would happen. And these things cost thousands of dollars for us to do. But this is a cost of doing business and we always do these on 100% of the properties that we do buy. So we go in there, send somebody in there to make sure we check the roof, check uh, you know if there's any cracks on the walls, if there's any cracks on the floor, if there's any foundation issues, if there's even trees around the area, the roots could be a, a problem, digging to the foundation, windows, leaks, um, you know, ceilings or any um, issues with fire extinguishing or any like, um, you know, uh, fire extinguishing equipment, or perhaps even on the basis of plumbing or bathrooms and electricals. So these are all things that need to be considered when we do a property inspection. Um, the other thing that we'd look at obviously is the planning and city planning of the area. So this is whether it's residential or commercial, this would all both apply. So what is the zoning that is currently there? Is this a type of building that would ultimately be giving us any more upward potential? So in this particular case, if we're buying a building that's allowing a one floor space ratio, FSR, that basically means if I'm buying a 50,000 piece of land, I'm able to build 50,000 square foot, you know, in an ideal situation, 50,000 square feet worth of space. Now, of course, you can't build 100% to that because you need to factor in like parking, you need to be able to factor in, um, you know, um, you know, uh, electrical equipment, you need to be factoring in, um, you know, uh, 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 walkways, you need to be able to driveways. So essentially, your FSR will determine how much you're able to build on that piece of land. Now, sometimes it doesn't make sense if you build, you know, one FSR, but you're building two stories, that's going to incur much more cost versus your return. So these are the things that we have to look at. So now with the city planning, they basically, most cities around the world, will identify what the OCP is, which is also called a community plan. And that community plan will actually tell us, okay, what is the growth plan of the city or that area in the coming years to come? And of course, cities don't be planned in, 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 in you know, months ahead. They plan years ahead. Is there going to be any increase of density? Is there going to be more people moving to the area? Is there going to be more businesses? Is this area going to be for industrial? Is this going to be commercial? Is this going to be retail? Is this going to be more office? Is this going to be something that's going to be residential? So this is all the things that we identify. We go through city planning and identify what the potential upsides of these buildings could possibly be. Again, you know, seeing something that as investors, as entrepreneurs, we see things that typically a lot of individual investors or perhaps, um, you know, uh, what I call retail investors do not see. That is the due diligence that we do on every project. We also look at the zoning and the potentials. Is there going to be more, um, you know, movement in terms of neighbors? This is also a very big one. Is there neighbors that are moving into the area that potentially could be driving more capacity, more cars, more traffic, more people, more um, vision into an area. So if there's, for example, a mall that's going to be built around your area, or perhaps there's going to be a large high rise being built around your area, or perhaps a theater or cinema 
or perhaps a uh, you know parking or if it's going to be uh, public transportation these are all things that will potentially drive the value of your property up dramatically and so again this is all due diligence but if for example the opposite is happening where they're turning you know the whole area in terms of residential starting to uh, ease up and the demand is not as strong as the supply what ends up happening you could potentially start to lose value in your community and those are risks that you need to be able to identify is there increase in density of people are there more people coming to the area are there people moving in these are all very important aspects of part of your due diligence next you also have environmental risks so we identify in our property that we're about to buy do we have any environmental risks were there any laundromats that were there were there any contamination years ago like a, um, a gas station or a pump or perhaps even um, you know things that are uh, gas tanks that were hidden one time that if these were leaked into the soil that could be a very detrimental and very expensive fix to your property so that's where the environmental risks also come in is there neighbors that have operated in that capacity where their uh, soil contamination could have seeped into your building or in your land and these are all things that are going to be important because again this is potential risk and this is the due diligence that we must do in order for us to feel that at ease that we're buying and we're expecting what we're getting Okay, so next, there's also something called bank financing. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, doing the due diligence allows us to go, what type of a solution do we have for bank financing? What type of interest rates? How much loan to value? Are we able to get, um, you know, bigger, are we able to get a better deal on the loan? Are we going variable? Are we going um, closed? Are we going fixed? Are we going uh, on the basis of interest only, principal and interest? So this is something that we negotiate in every part of our deal to, with the banks and our banking partner, our lending facility to identify what the best solution is to get the highest return while mitigating risk. Now, we also, one of the things is in part of due diligence that a lot of people don't or sometimes do end up neglecting is the due diligence on the investors. What is their vision? What is their um, synergy? What is their expectation? And this is very important. And actually, as a matter of fact, you know, now more than ever, we vet the investors that we work with. You know, we, we actually test them out. We go through a process. We don't let, you know, a lot of investors into it, let, let invest too big into each one deal because of course we have never worked with them we want to be able to build a track record um, with them and and for them to build a track record with us knowing that you know they're serious about investments that they know what they're doing they they trust that we're doing our process so let's get started on one project right let's get let, let's allow them to invest into one project and then let's test it out and there's going to be projects to come and this is a relationship that we build together right so this is where we do a, a due diligence on our investors in terms of their background their business their understanding of, of investments and we find what's suitable for them that suits the investment opportunity at hand and if it doesn't we we have told investors to pass on projects because it doesn't maybe meet their time frame or their profile or perhaps just their um, sophistication into a project next we also have economics right environment so what I mean by that is is there um, you know interest rate environment is there going to be more likely uncertainty is there things that are going to be happening so if right now like post-covid we understand the uncertainty with unemployment we understand the the potential threats of 
um, you know, a second or a third wave. These are things that we always factor into the equation when we do a transaction. So the economic environment, how interest rates are going to move, the currency plays, or even vice versa, the economic environment where tenants may want to rent or may not want to rent. So in this particular case, right now, office is probably not the best place to invest unless you expect a long term recovery and also an appreciation. So can you pick up a really good deal right now? Yeah, you can. But is the risk worthy and justifiable on this particular deal? So these are the type of things that we look into in terms of the environment, economic environment, in terms of if it's Canada or versus the US versus the UK versus perhaps in Southeast Asia. These are all different risks because there's different economic factors that every, affect every different geographical area. Last that I want to mention is the tenant component. Uh, the tenant actually appreciation component. Is there a possibility of increasing rent? Is the tenant likely to be able to pay rent? What type of serial, um, you know, a tenant are they? So a lot of my properties have, you know, big time tenants. So triple A, big box organizations that sign 10, 20, 30 year leases with me that ensures if anything were to happen that they would pay for the remainder of that lease. So those are type of things that I ensure that the risk is mitigated while the upside is still being provided. So if you have small tenants, mom and pop tenants, um, is there a possibility that they may not be able to survive the next wave? Are they going to be in a position that they're going to be able to work with um, you know, continue to pay rent while they may be shut down? Are they going to be able to uh, continue to operate the way they were pri post or prior to COVID and post COVID? So these are all things with the tenant because ultimately when we buy a property, we're looking for the income and we're looking for the appreciation. So those are the two components that we make money in, in, in property, right? So in order for us to do that, we have to ensure that the yield, which is the tenant paying rent, is going to be sustained over the longevity of your project. So in this particular case, if we have these type of tenants, we get very good, strong support from the, from the, from the banking partners. And that's also one vetting component to make sure that the tenants are capable of reviewing their financials, understanding that their business, and that's a risk that we want to take on. Uh, and secondly, what is the appreciation model if we have the tenants in place that's going to allow us to uh, invest in the appreciation component? So not only do we collect rent, but what are the likelihood that if the market grows by 2% or 3% uh, per year worth of growth, are we able to exceed that? Are we able to get 4, 5, 6% and therefore combination of yield from the tenant and also the reduction of the cost from the banking partner? and also the cost savings of a refurbishment to the uh, reducing the uncertainties of all the, um, the property inspections via property inspections and getting the upside of potentially zoning or city planning or density. And also at the same time, uh, understanding the appreciation component will give us the ultimate highest return for the lowest risk. So as investors, I work with so many investors and so many property owners that it's all about mitigating that risk while enhancing that return. 
Our strategy is to buy and hold and sell them sell, which means that we want the upside and we look at refinancing components down the line. And that's going to allow us to hoard these properties as we triple our wealth through the next 10 years with property growth, right, of hyperinflation, as we've mentioned earlier on a podcast. I'm just here to say that you want to be holding properties as much as you can, as long as it justifies, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you don't flip property under your circumstance, but devise your strategy where there's going to be some buy and hold and some where it's going to be buy to flip. And that's going to balance out your portfolio. And why we as a group invest in various different places around the world is because that also reduces the risk involved, the currencies and also the uh, geographical climate, economic climate, and also the, the structures of what goes on between different countries in terms of their economic power. So I would say that's why we look at de-risking everything that allows us to in order for us to make and maximize our return. So hopefully that gives you guys a very clear uh, but very overview of the things that we do as a organization, as a team, figuring out what we can do to give the, the best return for our investors. So again, this is the Investorpreneur Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Peter Leung. Find us on Facebook, share and like our podcast because we want to make a bigger impact. We want to share the expertise, the knowledge and the experiences to impact more people and to make a difference. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. I look forward to the next podcast where we're going to talk all things more property.